Rounding out the week, it's the summer team swan song before Mido, Clarkie and Loz return on Monday. It's Adam Pengelly, Stuart Clark and Ryan Feeling with you for the final time this week. It's been a, a terrific week and, gee, what a tiring night, though. It's been for Tanasi Kokonakis and Andy Murray, boys. Good morning to you. That match literally only finished... Less than a couple of hours ago. Good morning. Morning, Ryan. Morning, Stewie. Yeah, I got up this morning and went to check the scores on my phone and it said the match was still going. And I had to do a double take. You know, you're wiping the eyes out of your sleep <laughs> yeah. out of your eyes trying to figure out Am what's going on. Am I watching a replay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then, I was, then I'm like, it's still going. What's happening? And sort of immediately had those flashbacks to Leighton Hewitt and Marcus Bagdadas. You remember that yeah, match? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. All those years ago. So uh, not great news for the Australian fans. They were with Andy Murray winning and beating Tanasi Kokonakis, who was leading two sets to love. But what an incredible sporting event. You, you referenced Huge. there uh, Leighton Hewitt and uh, Bagdadas. Uh, so, Stu, just to context, uh, give this context, the match five hours and 45 minutes. So Andy Murray has won the match in the end, 4-6-6-7-7-6-6-3-7-5. So coming from two sets down, uh, you mentioned, Adam, it's, it's, um, this, so this is the second latest finishing match in history, just after 4 a.m., only that Hewitt-Bagdadis match that you mentioned. That was in 2008. That finished at 434 in the morning, so this one just after four o'clock, and and just for those playing at home, the longest match in history at the Australian Open was Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal. That was in the uh, 2012 final. That was five hours and 53 minutes. H- how sore would those guys be this morning? Ah, oh, ridiculous! What a game of tennis it was, and as you said, uh, Brad, t- turning down from Brad. What I call you, Brad? Then that's right. Lost my lost my mind. It's too early. Um, <laughs> the uh, being down two sets to love, um, he's just he's got a metal hip. What what sort of fight does he have in him? Um, we were talking about it off air that yeah, all the Scottish fans are uh, over the moon. He's not English this week or today. He's Scottish. <laughs> oh, my question I have is, what does it do physically to them to the um, to the next time he walks out, which will be not today, but it'll be tomorrow, won't it? Yeah. So he goes. How does he prepare? Just when the, and that's where I question those matches at that time of night because. Mm. It must throw his sleep patterns out. He'll be sore and sorry, as you just said. Um, I don't know who he plays in the next round, mind you, but oh, it's got to be a big question mark around his physical preparation. Mm. And it'll be interesting to talk to Roger Rashid later on about that to see what he thinks about it. Because whoever he's playing, it's got to be at an advantage, you would have thought. Mm. So in the next round, he plays a seed of play in Roberto Batista Agul. Um, who can play. Andy Murray, who's, who's a very, very good player. So, you know, and you would know as a professional sports person, Stu... Yeah, you know, you'd probably think it's 4.30 in the morning. Gee, you need to get to bed. But as a professional sportsman, no, you've still got your routine that you've got to go through, don't you? Well, you think about this. Like, so you play a day-night game of cricket. Mm. You finish. You've still got a lot of adrenaline going through yeah. your body because you're excited. And, you, you know, sometimes when you win, you've, you've mm. had a good victory or, you know, it's been one of those close games. Or, so you're pretty excited. You've got to get home. Post-match, he's got to do his recovery. He mm. can't just sort of say, right, that's it. It's not the old days, a couple of beers, go to bed. Mm. So ice baths, massage. He's got to have something to eat. One of the important things they make you do now is, is eat and mm. rehydrate, refuel your body. So he's got to do that. He's walked off at four-ish. Mm. He's not getting to bed till six-ish mm. minimum. And then his body clock is saying, well, it's almost time to get up again. Yeah. Um, and then when does he do his practice? Does he ever hit, what, what five o'clock tonight, six o'clock? I, I don't know. And then... His whole cycle's thrown out of here. So, big challenge for Andy Murray. And 
Coconut because well he's out now, so he can. I don't know if he's, he's probably still in the doubles, or he might be. No, Philip, um, his partner's out. Uh, Kyrgios, yeah. So he might be. You know, what does he do now? But it's okay for him. I, I was reading about the match this morning, and apparently in tennis, you can only have one toilet break throughout mm. a match. And Andy Murray was shouting at the chair umpire and blowing up at one stage in the fourth set at three o'clock in the morning because he felt like he needed to go to the toilet, mm. and they wouldn't let him go because he'd mm. taken his toilet break earlier in the match. So oh, like, I, that, I understand the why they do that because often sometimes they do literally take the you know yeah, what, you know what some yeah. of these players to to get a rest to to catch yeah. their breath to mm. you know so I understand why they have those rules in place. But at three a.m. in the morning, Ryan, like surely you just let him you, do you what cut some slow. You... I know where you're coming from. Yeah, <laughs> you know we've got a, a text here on the text line. Is Australia's tennis reached such a standard when a forty-year-old with a metal hip? Uh, does your best over in five sets. Oh, look, I, I think that's a bit stiff because looking at some of the highlights, it was brutal. It was a there were some great shots, mm. and you know, looking at some of the the social media commentary, people were just absolutely enthralled by the match. So I think Kokonakis can hold his head high, and look, you know, good on Andy Murray that he, he's been able to to find this sort of form. And and to be honest, on that side of the draw, things have really opened up because yesterday. Um, so many seeds got knocked out. Kasper Ruud got knocked out. Taylor Fritz, Alexander Zverev, uh, Pablo Karina Busta, uh, Diego Schwartzman, Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. Um, so they got knocked out. And there was a whole bunch on the women's draw as well. Good news for the Aussies. Alex Dimonor, he went through. He beat uh, Frenchman Adrian Manorino. And did you see Alexi Popperin uh, yeah. defeat world number nine Taylor Fritz? And just the emotion post-match was terrific. I saw a bit of that match watching uh, a little bit of it in and out there yesterday afternoon. That's fantastic for Alexi. That's a, that's a massive, massive result. In particular, because Taylor Fritz has been playing some great tennis. He, he said in... he won more. he's won more matches this year than he did in Popper the entirety in. of last year. Yeah, yeah, which is incredible, isn't it? And Taylor Fritz came down to Australia early. He was part of the United States team in the United Cup and helped them win that event. I don't think he lost a match throughout that United mm. Cup. So he'd been playing great tennis. And for Alexi Popper to win was, was awesome. So that's a, that's a real career, I suppose, definer for him in a lot of respects. Mm. Certainly was. And I, I caught a little bit of it on the mm. highlights, sort of watching it. It looked like a good game. He looks like he's got some game, that, mm. uh, that Popperin. Again, talked to Roger Rashid about it. But got a, certainly got a big serve. Big serve. That's what I mean. Like, if you think of the modern, it's all power. Oh, and, and if you haven't got power, yes, you can get to certain points. But, you know, the way Federer and Nadal, Djokovic play... Um, and they've taken the game to a new level, mm. you need that power. That's why Kyrgios is the one that sort of people look at and go, yeah, okay, he's, let's be honest, he's different. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but because of the big serve, he's always in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Now, news um, yesterday that it looks as though Stephen Crichton officially is going to be a bulldog in 2024. Those reports from James Hooper of the Daily Telegraph. So, they're saying that it's going to be a four-year deal in excess of $3.3 million. So as we so often see with when a, a player like Cameron Seraldo, for example, a coach rather, like Cameron Seraldo, who has spent so much time in a system, they can often play Pied Piper to a mm. lot of others when they go, he brings a few with them. So the fact that now uh, Matt Burton's there, Viliami Kikau's mm. there, and now Crichton, I reckon Penrith will starting to be looking looking around the locker room a little bit nervous about who they might uh, have to hold mm. on to next. But that's a good signing for the Bulldogs. Yeah, no great surprise, Ryan. I don't think it's officially done yet, but it's well and truly on the way to Stephen Crichton going to the Bulldogs. And it was just a natural fit, wasn't it? You mentioned the fact that Cameron Serraldo's there at the moment. Gus Gould's obviously the general manager, so there's that ex-Penrith connection. And let's be honest, the Bulldogs need a fullback. 
Stephen mm. Crichton wants to play fullback. He wants fullback money. He's a goal kicker as well. So the Bulldogs potentially get a goal kicker to, to add to their stock. So it just makes sense. And I think the next one that's going to be a big talking point will be Spencer Lenu the prop forward from out of yeah. Penrith. He's off contract, a player who's got a ton of ability. He's just got to work on getting his engine better and playing a few more minutes. But he's a devastating player on his day. And Canterbury's been heavily linked to him as well. So Penrith are losing a few players at the moment. Oh, look, that that is correct. I think the way the junior system is at Penrith. Uh, I, I saw some, I was, uh, I saw Brian Fletcher talking somewhere and he said, yeah, it's okay. We've got juniors coming through. Mm. And that, look, this is the point of the salary cap though. Um, or the, the sort of the overarching ideal of the salary cap mm. is that when you have a team that's got a very dominant bunch of players, i.e. Penrith, um, how do you, you know, that, to try and spread that talent around? Interesting, they're all going to the one club. I think that's probably people are going to have questions mm. pretty shortly. But they're good players. And, and you're right, the fullback money thing is the bit that's going to track Crichton because Penrith wouldn't have been able to pay him Oh, fullback. no way. The, the, the salary cap would not allow that. There's just not money in that cap for that. No, that'd be $200,000, $250,000 a year yeah, below correct. what Canterbury can offer. Yeah. And that's a lot of money for a, for a guy to turn down when he's in the, I suppose, the early stage of his career and yeah. looking at a lengthy contract. But the art, the art of list management, you're right, Stewie, is that you'll have a lot of recruitment managers and general managers who'll have planned out three, four, five years in advance. And they'll know the 15, 16, 17-year-olds coming through the system. And they'll be having plans for those guys to be part of the top 30 in three or four years' time. And that's why you sometimes say, well, why are they letting this centre go? Why are they letting this winger go? Why are they letting this second rower go? But they know in two or three years' time they've got a good good kid playing SG Ball or Harold Matthews who they're projecting to be part of the top 30. And it's right. It's just all all salary cap management. That's how it is. It's very detailed and complex, but... um, they would have been working they on do that it. Kind of... the, the good ones do a good job, yep. and they get it right. Um, you, you're really predicting what the future is going to look like. Mm. They have good talent ID systems. They have good S&Cs that mm. sit there and go, right, this guy's got the physical shape. He's got something about him once we get him to that point. Mm. So, and and it's, sometimes you look at it and go, well, why are they doing that? But you're right. There's a plan there. There's a plan to all of the Well, sorry, the better ones do. The other th- the challenge with the salary cap is not to pay guys too much. Um, because you always feel that need. Some of the coaches you see, they want him and you'll give him more and more. You, you make one little error with your salary cap mm. and it throws the whole thing mm. into whack. So you've got to know your play and you go, right, we're prepared to pay him that. And if he wants more than that, well, we can't touch him for that. Mm. It's, a, it's a real science now. Mm. Well, it may have escaped the eyes of a primetime audience on a Saturday, but the Magic Millions finally got <laughs> underway yesterday. And uh, the two-year-old classic was taken out by the Tony Gollan trained Skirt the Law, the Queenslander. It was a good day for James McDonald. He had three winners and probably was unlucky not to probably have five winners there yesterday. The track, all in all, Adam, played seemed well. to play pretty well. Yeah, it was good, Ryan. I, I must admit, the, the upgrades throughout the day, we got to a good four later in the program. That's remarkable, considering where we were on Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon. So that Gold Coast weather dried that out pretty well. And as you mentioned, the Magic Millions Classic, the feature race, well, was very much a Queensland affair, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, Tony Gollan, uh, trained filly, obviously ridden by Ryan Maloney. He's based up there in Queensland. Huge effort for that horse to win off a seven-week break. Like almost going first up into that race, essentially, mm. in the Magic Millions Classic. So great training performance from Tony Gollan. Because it was really well supported ahead of was, Saturday. Yes. And all of the commentary I heard around it was 
well, surely, where's this money coming from? Because that's not an ideal preparation yeah, for a two-year-old. The, the question was, she'd won a couple of races up there in Queensland against very small fields, I think, and she'd mm. won it in style. But the question mark was getting into a bigger field, higher-pressure race, how's she going to adapt after such a you know, long time off, I suppose. But she was right up to the mark there. Uh, I thought Platinum Jubilee, the horse that I tipped on the program yesterday and backed, she was pretty good in second, just missed I the start. I think a bit unlucky. Oh, missed the start. She, yeah. She's her own worst enemy. We saw that in the Jim Crack Stakes to an extent where she was slow out of the gates. And I know she led them up in her second start on Christmas Eve down here in Sydney there, but that was a small field and not a lot of tempo. So she's a Philly going places, I still think. And Summer Loving was great in third, but um, yep, take nothing away from the winner. She was fantastic, Skirt the Law, and probably a horse we can follow going towards the Golden Slipper with it, with a bit of confidence mm. now. Don't know whether you saw too many of the pictures. They didn't show a lot of the pictures of, of the crowd, but they didn't look to be a big crowd there. So it wasn't a quintessential Magic Millions, but hopefully uh, punters out there still backed a winner or two. Now, the multi, the BSB multi, it's back. It's back this week. We've, uh, we've called in the experts. Adam Pengelly, you are one of them, and Brad Davidson. And the multi is now currently live on the TAB website. So go to today's offers, click on sports, and you'll find the BSB multi there today. Here is the multi. It starts tonight at Canterbury. So Brad Davidson will kick off the multi with two legs. Tonight at Canterbury, race one, number five, Emancipist has to finish top two. Race two, number one, Outlawed has to finish top two at Canterbury tonight. Then Saturday at Randwick, race five, number five. This is Adam Pengelly's tip. He is tipping the Bjorn Baker-trained Passagiata, and it needs to finish top two. And for that, you will get $6. So Canterbury, race one, number five, Emancipist to finish top two. Race two, number one, Outlawed to finish top two. And race five on Saturday at Randwick, number five, Passagiata, top two. That is $6. That is live on the TAB website and the TAB app now, as I mentioned. So if you go to um, sports, you go to today's offers, and you'll see it there, the BSB multi, currently $6. And I think the limit at the moment is $25 that, um, that they let you on. Um, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but I've got a feeling it's it's twenty five dollars. How do you feel about that multi? No, confident, Ryan. You have to be confident. We've got uh, we've got a sad story from last week. Believe it or not, we were actually trying to do a multi for last week's program, uh, Brad and myself, and we both selected a couple of horses. Our best bets from last Saturday. Here, Royale, you had so Brad had, had Dalalart. Brad had Dalalart to run top three, and I had Kerr Royale to run top two. And they both won, but unfortunately behind the scenes, we couldn't get the multi up in time, so we didn't have it last Friday. So that was the sad story about last week. It wasn't so, sad because we tipped the winners on the we BSB. We did, but we could have had the multi for the listeners and could have, they could have butted up a little Key bit Key Royale more. paid four fifty to $5. Yes, yes. So who are you throwing under, under the bus here? For no, the, back, the backroom staff at Tab. We're going to throw them under the bus from last <laughs> week. <laughs> Here comes the 318 all over them. <laughs> Sorry, champ. <laughs> but um, we're, we're going to make amends this week. We're going to make amends this week. So uh, Brad's very confident about Canterbury. I think Passagiata is a real really promising Philly going places, and I think she can run top two provided the, the wet track hasn't hindered her from last start. So $6, I think, is a good price for that multi this week. Now, in the Big Bash last night, the Sydney Thunder, they're inside the BBL's top five after cruising to a pretty important eight-wicket win over the Melbourne Renegades. That was in Manuka Oval. They were set 143 for victory, and the Thunder opener 
Matthew Gilks, um, he fired his team to victory with a, a brilliant 74 not out in the 19th over. Dave Warner, he showed a little bit of form there as well last night for the Thunder. So they're now fourth on the table with just two regular season games left while third-place Renegades will still likely need another win if they're to, to guarantee their finals play. So the thin, Sydney Thunder still hanging about. They're hanging about, aren't they? I think the, the Big Bash seems to be hanging about at the moment. That's what's <laughs> hanging about. Like, it's, it, it's still going. It's a bit like you flick it on. You go, oh, is it still going, is it? Like, yeah. Sort of lost it. You know, you know Sydney and Perth are there or thereabouts, and the other teams are just playing. Uh, I think the new TV deal, when it comes to this, is actually better because it's less games and put some more relevance into it. It's just, it's just too much. It's it's sort of lost its shine. It's got to be done by Australia Day, doesn't it? Like it's got to be all wrapped up by Australia Day because people just tune out after that. We should well, be playing. We should be playing finals now, shouldn't we? I think it should be on now. It may be yeah. the final being around the Australia Day yes. weekend. Yep. It's just too. It's I just. It's lost its context. Yeah, like, we're watching this. We know, we were talking yesterday. Footy's forty days away. <laughs> um, you know, you flick on. We've got the TV on the background. The South African Big Bash is. Oh, goodness gracious! I, I, as a cricket lover, even I'm like, oh, I've had enough of this. Speak, speaking of cricket, uh, on the back page of the Daily Telegraph, the headline reads: "Back off our turf." Cricket chief tells Swans boss. Uh, uh, who's in the battle for the SCG. So they're saying the battle is intensifying for Sydney's most precious piece of sporting real estate as cricket squared off with the Swans on the eve of the Warner versus Smith BBL showdown. So the AFL is pushing for the SCG to ditch, you know, the the, the pitch and, and go to, to dropping Drop pitches. It. And this is obviously on the back of, you know, the test series where the pitch probably didn't, deliver as much as it promised, albeit there's probably excuses around that with covers on it for, for, yeah, a, lo- sure. for a lot of the time. But, you know, and, and this is obviously in line with a lot of major sporting grounds across Australia now that do have dropping pitches, whereas the SCG is sticking with tradition. What do you think about that? They're sticking with the traditional way of doing it. Them and the Gabba are the only two that have left it as is. The dropping, look, there is a, there is a strong argument for it now. If But I think the argument's a bit based around the wicket's going to be more conducive to a result um, and I think this year you can't say anything about this year because of the weather we had but <clears throat> I I don't know I, I like the tradition of the wicket the way it is that maybe I'm just a bit old and a mm. bit grumpy these days but um, the Swans certainly don't want it I I think the SCG has a problem though how do you get the pitch in and out I think that's one of the the access points it was not enough tunnels or something like yeah, that yeah I think wide so enough tunnels. Yeah, yeah. wide enough to get it in. so that that's a problem in itself but I think uh you know, the AFL will be pushing hard behind the scenes to because mm. they want it for football, as you can understand. Did you ever play when you were a kid on an oval that was it was all part cricket, part you know rugby league or something or that, and you ever got tackled on the the cricket oh, pitch? Rock hard, you, isn't it? It, yeah. oh, it's, it it yeah. it does uh, knock you around a bit. I will say, just on those dropping pitches, how long do they take to prepare? Like, what actually goes on when uh, they prepare something for the MCG for the Boxing Day test, for example? So I think it gets prepared else, like it's out and about. Of course, yeah. somewhere else. And then yeah. they bring it in when cricket season starts. The challenge is the join in the middle. If you yeah. look closely, it's got a join. And if you don't get it right, there's like a hump in the middle. For the run- bowlers yeah. run-up. Yeah. No, no, I mean right in the middle of the oh. pitch. Yeah, right? okay. So the, the two, there's two halves, I think, that join it. So if you, don't, if you look closely, there's usually a hump in the middle. The old or, ridge. The old, <laughs> and as a batter, I think they hate it. They've got it right in Melbourne. I think they do a really good job yeah. down there. So you've got to give them credit. Um, but... Look, it depends how you do it. Like anything in this world, if it's got the right conditions and you've got the right setup, I think it lends a little bit of time to bet in. Mm-hmm. If you remember those Melbourne pitches when we first started, they were terrible. Right, you, you couldn't get a result. They were just boring. <laughs> you know, this, no one could get out, and so 
it takes a little bit of time. I don't think you can just click your fingers and say, oh, we can put a drop-in pitch tomorrow. Mm. And then you want it to not lose its characteristics of what it had. Like Melbourne, mm. um, the wicket wasn't great, but now it's a good, it's a pretty decent cricket wicket now. It'd be like dropping, putting a drop-in in Perth and not having it bounce. Mm. Sydney, it's got to be, whatever you do, you've got to make it a Sydney wicket. Mm. Mm. Uh, big show to come today. There's plenty of basketball news around, which I'll uh, get to after this news break. And Brad Rosen will join us to talk about it. There was a, an amazing buzzer beater yesterday from the Illawarra Hawks player, Tyler Harvey, against the New Zealand Breakers. We'll talk about that. Trevor Bayliss will join us to talk about the Sydney Thunder and their win last night. And Roger Rashid will be along to talk about Tanasi Kokonakis. Well, Do you reckon he slept, Roger? Well, that's going to be interesting to ask, isn't it? He might yeah. miss the phone call this yeah. morning. He, he might be uh, pulling the all-nighter, so to speak. So Roger will join us just after 7.30. Brad Davidson as well, finding us some winners for the weekend, as will Ali Mosley after 8 o'clock. And as usual, Phil Moss will join us after 8.30 to talk all things football. There's live sport around this morning. Just after 7 o'clock, Manchester City and Tottenham will get underway in the English Premier League and we'll keep you up to date with that. The PGA Tour is underway. The American Express is on at the moment in California and Davis Thompson is seven under through seven holes. So a cracking start for him. The best of the Aussies, Harrison, Endicott and Jason Day, they're both at two under. Uh, They've played nine holes and four holes respectively. So we'll keep an eye on those scores throughout the morning. Uh, The Brisbane Bullets in the NBL won a thrilling overtime game against the Adelaide 36ers, 106 to 101 at Nissan Arena. And the Illawarra Hawks, they've caused a massive upset by defeating the Breakers in New Zealand, 78 to 76, recording just their third win. We'll talk more about that in just a moment but there was um, a big story that um, you might have missed uh, that Sydney Flames coach Shane Heal is facing a club investigation and it probably explains what was a bit of a sudden absence from the WNBL coaching ranks only in the last couple of days so the Sydney Flames themselves they've refused to comment to any questions from newspapers but The reports are that lawyers are involved and an independent firm has been engaged to conduct the investigation. So um, that is obviously some surprising news. So what happened on Wednesday? So we had Shane Heal on last week in the lead up to their game against the Southside Flyers. And on Wednesday, the club issued some tweets saying that that Shane Heal won't be courtside tonight and that Shyla Heal, his daughter wouldn't be playing because of personal reasons. Of course, she's she's the star of the Sydney Flames. So they were late scratchings against in that game. So uh, the Opals, uh, Shelley Gorman, she took over as interim coach. The fact that they're reporting that lawyers and I guess an independent firm mm. has been engaged to conduct the investigation, look, I don't want to speculate, but it sounds like there's maybe something a, a bit deeper or more concerning that could be a foot here, so that is concerning news. Yeah, very strange, Ryan, and we don't have a whole lot of detail to go with that to put it into context, but you raise a very valid point. When a coach just suddenly doesn't appear mm. courtside for a particular game, you know something's up. So and when his daughter's not playing as well, um, obviously we'll let the, the Flames try and sort that out, but there is something obviously amiss there at the moment. Yeah, so watch this space on that one. Um, we can't really give any more context than that, but it is time to talk basketball. And as I mentioned, the Illawarra Hawks pulled off an incredible win against the New Zealand Breakers, and this is how they did it. Tyler Harvey! 
Harvey. He'll have the final say one way or another. Four, three, Harvey. This being radio, let me paint the picture for you. As exciting as that sounds, he had one foot on the sponsor's logo in the middle of the court and he nailed it with nothing but net. It was really one of the better buzzer beaters you, you've really ever seen in the NBL. It was quite extraordinary. Uh, do yourself a favour, get onto the internet and check that one out from Tyler Harvey. But let's talk about that and much, much more with Brad Rosen. Good morning, Brad. That was an absolute ripper. Two words, Steph Curry, unbelievable. Yeah, it was it was extraordinary from from Tyler Harvey, I, but it, it was almost as you heard in commentary there that they were almost expecting something like that to happen because obviously we know that he can pull out a big shot when he needs to. Look, he's unbelievable. He's done it all year. He's been playing fantastic, but they've only had two wins, and it's been so hard for them. You got to give him credit; they played fantastic. Yeah, it certainly did. He's a, he's a good shooter. I was watching the game against the Kings the week before. I think we were talking about it while you were in here last week. And uh, he's not someone that you can just let sort of jog around the court, leave him open, Brad. No, and that's what they did poorly in New Zealand. I'm sorry, you know, they should have really known what they did. If you look at closely and you watch the video, he has a screen and they don't double the ball. You cannot do that with a second to go. And if anyone in the league can make that shot, that's him. He was outstanding. Hey, Brad, you're sounding a bit dusty this morning, mate. Have you been celebrating your ring of honour? Mate, you can hear that in my voice, can't you? It's unbelievable. (laughs) I'll tell you what, it's been one of those weeks where I've had so much interviews, so much talking. My voice has actually given out a little bit. I was hoping it would come across all right. But let me just say, (laughs) celebrations is an outstanding thing for the ring of honour. (laughs) You you have had the the whole gamut. You had had respiratory issues last week after calling uh, one of the games. You had to sit out the BSB for a couple of days. But... um, so you have celebrated, uh, obviously, the announcement yesterday of the Ring of Honour, which we, Look, we mentioned here on the show. Great. Congratulations again. Yeah, thank you so much. It has been great. And, yes, there was a little bit of a voice thing there. But, um, you know, like doctors and everything, it's like, ah, that's normal. It's that time of the year. It'll be fine. But, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's one of those things where um, I was trying to explain it yesterday. You know, as players and you win things, you do it as a team and, you know, you hear all people say, and, and look, I've never been sort of handed anything as a player like that as, a, as what I'm about to receive on Sunday. And it's one of those things that you just turn around and you're just like, wow. And um, it feels really special to be able to, you know, do it. And for my family, we're, 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 we're extremely proud. It's great. Mate, there's a massive doubleheader this uh, weekend starting tonight. Cairns v. the Jack Jumpers and the Kings um, take on Perth in Perth. There are two massive games. Well, we're getting to that pointy end of the season and with New Zealand losing last night and also Brisbane beating Adelaide last night as well, it just makes that race so much better. And as we know with the NBL, the top two teams automatically qualify for the semifinals. The next four, so it's the top six, the next four go to win a play-in. And everything is just so close at the moment. And that's what the problem is now. So, you know, for these Cairns teams, they've got a fantastic opportunity now to take second spot. Huge game for them. Tasmania want to stay in the four. So, you know, really looking forward to these games. That's what the season's about. Brad, we're getting down to the business end of the season. Do you, do you think the Taipans are the biggest threat to the Kings at the moment? Are you still looking at the Breakers or expecting the Wildcats to go on a bit of a run? Yeah, unbelievable. Um, look, Kings, it's theirs to lose. We've said it so many times before. 
right now, if you're asking me for a grand final, yeah, I think it's Cairns. And Cairns are not afraid of anyone, and I think they're really good. The only thing that wouldn't surprise me is we take last year, there will be a team that comes rocketing home. Who is that? It was Tasmania last year's story of the year. They were sitting in an okay spot, and then they just had that run. Can they do it? Is it a Perth who's starting to get mm. some wins? Can South East Melbourne do it? I would have said, has New Zealand got it in them? Has Adelaide got it in them? But then they both lost last night. So it's intriguing. It's fun. I'm so looking forward to this next few weeks coming up because we're at the business end of the season. Probably the best preview into what might unfold could be tonight, Brad, because um, as we've touched on, Cairns 2 versus the Jack Jumpers tonight, who are currently in fifth position, and then Perth Glory, uh, sorry, Perth uh, Wildcats, who are currently in fourth position up against the Kings, who are t- top of the ladder. So Cairns versus Tasmania, $1.40 Cairns, two ninety Tasmania. How did you see that? Oh, look, Tasmania, how can you write them off? Keanu Pinder will be back for Cairns. This will be an interesting one because whenever you've got your superstar that's been out and they've been playing really well, now all of a sudden he comes in and can he fit in again? How do we do that? Do we get the right ball? Is that guy taking the shot? Those are outstanding juicy odds from Tasmania, let me tell you. For Perth, I'm really intrigued here. Kings, they're rolling. They know they're in. Are they going to not play as hard? Do they have in the back of their mind, I don't want to get injured, I just want to get to the playoffs? Two teams very capable of winning. This is going to be two outstanding games. Mate, just going overseas, Josh Giddy, every time you flick on uh, any of the sporting channels from Fox or whatever it may, they're talking about Josh. How good's this kid? Unbelievable, isn't he? Like, we keep sitting here going, you know, oh, he's great, and he just keeps doing it and doing it. Triple doubles, double doubles. He just keeps scoring, he's winning, and it looks like he hasn't got out of first gear. This kid is, is on the moment, I don't know, on 30 or 40 million. He's got, I think, another two years left of this contract. He will then sign a probably $200, $250 million deal. So money is never going to be an object. <laughs> where, he can, where he can go is what's going to be the call now. Can he be one of those outstanding greats and be up there like with, I know it's hard to say, I'm sorry, but he's been questioned like with Luca, with Will Chamberlain, with LeBron in all the stats that he's doing. I'm not talking about the points, but it's the triple doubles, it's the assists, it's the rebounds. Oh, man, this, watch this space. This kid is a superstar. You just touched on LeBron a moment ago there, Brad. Uh, 20 and 25, the Lakers. Are we putting a line through them? Are they done this year? Mate, stick a fork. They are cooked. <laughs> they are done. There is only one hope, and that is Superman, and he ain't going to that team, trust me. So, no, nah, Lakers are done. Um, look, I think LeBron will have good games. Um, you know, he's 38 years of age, breaking records for that. Anthony Davis, he'll be in and out because that's what he does. He's, he, you know, it's easy to get a bus at a bus stop from him. So um, I, I, there's no way they're going to do anything, but it will just be you know, sort of a privilege, I guess, to watch LeBron do what he does at 38 years of age. We were talking before, Brad, about um, Tanasi Kokonakis and Andy Murray and how they'll recover after their marathon uh, five-and-a-half-hour match last night, which finished just after 4 o'clock. Looking at the Kings' schedule, so they're obviously playing in Perth tonight. Bear in mind the time difference. Then they've got to get back into Sydney and play on Sunday. I struggle to get that flight from Perth at the best of times. I'm six foot one. Imagine if you're six foot eight in cattle class coming back from Perth trying to prepare for a game within 48 hours. Just talk us through that process and how they'll deal with that. 
Yeah, that's a great point that you make. And then you look at this team, and not only in that, and I'll, and I'll just add this one kicker and then we'll get to it. It's the fact that they know that they're in and this game doesn't mean much to them. Although it does, it doesn't. So it is so difficult now. Back in our day, I'm going back back when I was young, we used to have to play the next day. So they have changed that now. But it is really difficult. And you, you, they've got to get that, that. That red eye is atrocious to try and get out there. So, right, it's all about rest, recovery, food, eating correctly. And they take dietitians and physios and masseuse on the road. So they will be well equipped and ready for it but the bottom line is no matter how and what you prepared it's still really hard so this is why this is a big weekend for the kings because it's more about mental than anything else and just finally with that match on sunday uh, you'll be presented with the the ring of honors uh, uh ceremony on on sunday i think they're expecting around 13 to fourteen thousand, brad yeah, I think they were saying they were only expecting a couple of hundred, but then they heard that I won the Oklahoma. <laughs> so, so, mate, they, um, it is absolutely nothing. I heard they were expecting 15,000, and they heard I won it, so 1,000 pulled out. So, um, <laughs> But, look, it's, um, it's been unbelievable, and this is what the Kings have been doing, and you've got to pay credit to you know what they've done. It's been outstanding. Paul Smith, unbelievable. Mm. Julian O'Brien's doing a great job. This will be their fourth game in history, sorry, their record of four times in a row where they've had 11,000 or more at their games in a row. They are breaking every record. The crowds are running. They, it is a fun night. The Kings are rolling. It is just a real, like for anyone listening, if you haven't been to a game, you don't have to love basketball. The atmosphere out there is outstanding. The kids love it. And of course, we're talking, you know, this school holiday. So yeah, I, they're 14,000 and it wouldn't surprise me if it goes more. So for me, I'm absolutely pumped and can't wait, obviously, to go out there on family and get my um, and get the ring. But more importantly, Kings have got to get that, that win and, and, and consolidate top spot. Go those Kings! <laughs> Good on you, Brad. Uh, enjoy the day on Sunday and hopefully uh, the Kings can go back-to-back in a very short period of time, firstly against Perth and then New Zealand on Sunday. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Get into Totally Workwear Rydalmere for the back-to-work sale. We stock the best brands like King G, Hard Yakka, FXD and Steel Blue. Check out the FXD special. Spend $300 and receive a free FXD sweat towel. Does your business workwear branding need a freshen up? Darren and the team, they will get you sorted. They're open until 7 p.m. every weekday. That is Totally Workwear Rydalmere. 279 Victoria Road, opposite Bunnings and Maccas, and the back-to-work sales are now on. Uh, We've seen Eddie Jones, the new Wallabies coach, speak for the first time since taking the tenure. Um, And i tell you one thing that I'm going to enjoy is maybe the back and forth that might happen between he and Peter Volandis because he's uh, obviously known what makes the headlines, and that's even mentioning the name Peter Volandis. It seems to get you column inches, doesn't it, in reference to the poaching of, of the NRL players. And now Peter Volandis says that rugby's pretty boring. So um, he said uh, of, of uh, Peter Volandis, Eddie Jones said, I encourage him to get out of the tab and go watch some super rugby. <laughs> so this is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I think it's going to be entertaining, isn't it, Ryan? And I think, to be fair, rugby need a personality like that, don't they, to drive a bit of interest and someone who can who can have a bit of banter in the media and create a few jokes. And I, I sort of was listening to those comments from Eddie Jones uh, yesterday, and my mind sort of cast back. Remember when Kevin Sheedy coached GWS when they first came in uh, all those years ago? Mm. And Sheedy was just that figure who had that 
charisma and personality to be able to have a bit of banter back and forth yep. in the media. And it helped drive a bit of interest in the AFL and, and GWS in Sydney. So, I don't know, Stu, it's going to be fascinating to see how Eddie this plays out with him. Uh, I don't think Eddie will take a backward step. and I don't think Peter will either. No. I think they'll, uh, they'll both go uh, hammer and tong at one another. I, uh, it'll be interesting to see what rugby do because the, the easy way for them to get talent is go to the NRL, but that's going to annoy everyone, certainly Peter Volandis. Um, I don't know. I watch. I love my rugby. I like watching the Australians play, but I think mm. I've lost a little bit of interest in Super Rugby. Mm. I don't know if you watch any. Super oh, not not a, not a whole lot at all. But is it, is of course, is the window it's in. Like it's it's it starts very soon, doesn't it? Super Rugby. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it's it's on. I think it starts first week of February. The Big Bash still going. Goodness gracious. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I don't know. It's just lost. I, that I, I think for me, it's the amount of stoppages in, in oh, rugby. Yeah, it just kills me. I, I get sick and tired of them taking three point. Penalties. I mean, I love running rugby. You know, I know I might be sounding old school, but I, I loved the Super 12s, you know, and even back before then, you know, the, the era of Nick Farr Jones and Michael Liner mm. and those sorts of players. That's that's rugby to me. David Campisi, you know, I want to see them get back to that. Not big, you know, props, clapping and cheering when they get well, a penalty really, at the breakdown so that the little bloke can come up and slot three points. That, that's what I mean. If you, I don't know if you remember the, uh, it would have been the British Lions out here. The crowd mm. the, were cheering every time they got a penalty at a scrum so they could kick a goal. That's the way the game's played in Europe. Mm. And I you know, talked to Phil War and people about that. that. That's the style of game. They play a little bit of attacking rugby, sure. Um, we want to, in here, we, we want to see attacking rugby and winning. And sometimes mm. the game doesn't allow for that mm. and I'm you know I'm probably the last person that's an aficionado but that's that's just a humble bloke watching the game yeah trying to enjoy it that you're right it frustrates you when you think they're near the try line here why don't you go for a try and they go no no we'll take the three to, to me the one big advantage that rugby union does have over rugby league is the build-up and the constant pressure of, of, of a you know repeated malls you can you can have 10 11 12 malls and the tension and the pressure that builds up is it, fantastic to mm. watch and rugby league doesn't have that obviously because we have six tackles and then you kick the ball downfield or whatever and the ball's back in the other team and that's that's something i think they need to work on and going back to your point Ryan about the constant penalty goals it's like you see games at 15 12 and 9 6 like who wants to watch that yeah. and and you got to remember the other thing is because the rules are a little bit around safety because they kill the ball the whole time that's why those penalties because guys the, the ruck or the mall formed, mm. and then they lie on top of the ball, yeah. so the ball can't get out quickly, mm. so they can't recycle it. In the old days, if you did that, some big bloke jumped on your head mm. and you know, rucked, and then so, so they was like, well, I can lie there, but I'm going to get hurt. Mm. The rules are now about safety, which I totally understand, by the mm. way. They don't like they they now mm. know they're not going to particularly get that sort of punishment if they if they kill the ball. So, yeah, it's an interesting. From rugby's point of view, how do they deal with all of that? The, the other bit rugby has going for it, and this is the bit that you know, if you talk to rugby people, it's a it's a bigger international game than rugby league. The teams are more competitive from around the world. Mm. Like Australia, obviously dominated rugby, at rugby league. Yep. Rugby, sorry, rugby union. They dom. There's, there's more options, and mm. you can go travel around the world and play in, in pretty good competitions. Mm. Now, a few people are texting through and saying that they can't find the BSB Multi, which uh, is live at the moment. Yep, we just it's just a system thing. So we're just going through a system reboot at the moment. It's just something they do 
every day at a certain time, and it just so often happens to fall when the multi's live. So You've got time to just, get on it later. Yeah, just, you don't have to panic just yet. That's but. right. Just just be patient. <laughs> um, you know, what time's the first? What time's the race one at Canterbury well, no, tonight? The, isn't it? Well, you've got until nine o'clock because a multi closes off uh, when the the BSB goes it's off a, there. So is you, it a BSB multi only? Yeah, it's, you've you've right. got until nine o'clock. So so you've got plenty of time. So just if you don't see it now go back in 10 15 minutes time and hit, two ref- hours. hit refresh yeah you've got you've got until two o'clock so um uh, sorry nine o'clock what did i say two o'clock <laughs> yeah I, i'm in i'm in eddie murray tanasi kokonakis yeah. mode i'm adding five and a half hours onto the bsb multi um no so that will be up soon and and when it is live you go to the tab website you go to sports and you go to today's office. So even the today offers column isn't there at the moment. That's just because it's going through that system reboot. So it'll be back live in just a moment. Um, so be patient with that. And you've got until 9 o'clock.